if you have a great experience, but you have no results, you typically have very unpredictable churn. Some people will stay because they really like the experience, they love your team, they feel good when they talk to you, but then when people leave, it's really unexpected, you don't understand why, but it's usually because you're not getting them any results. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. Listen, most people assume it's lack of marketing, it's lack of sales, lack of product market fit. Yes, all those things are important, but there's one thing that's specifically missing that most people never pay attention to and honestly never figure out in business. And that's why they just continue to over and over again, start another business and another and another, and they hit the ceiling that they can't get past because they don't get this one central concept. So the way that I discovered this concept was that when we started building our software, Allen, which we ended up selling about a year and a half ago, I started studying everything I could think of and everything I could find on software. And when I was studying software, I realized that so many of those aspects applied to service businesses, but the reason it was so good to find from software is that people in the software industry and who have software businesses are much more quantitative than those who are not. Because when you have a piece of software, you're much more likely to have different data sources built in and more tracking and more KPIs and more metrics, whereas a service business doesn't need those to survive. And so a lot of the times, software has better metric tracking than does service businesses. Stay with me here. So while I was learning all this, I was like, wow, they have so much better metrics in software. And so I ended up joining different software groups and participating in different masterminds. And what I came to find out is that marketing and sales wasn't nearly as important to software as I thought it was. In fact, a lot of the companies who had the best marketing for their software were actually unable to sell their software businesses because they had such high churn on the back end. And so when I started studying the businesses who had the biggest exits and the biggest sales in terms of like making, you know, 500 million, 600 million, like insane exits, those people had very low churn. And it's because they discovered this thing called customer success. And that is why they were able to scale to such high revenue and also get such insane multiples on their software. It wasn't necessarily the companies that had the biggest marketing out there, the ones that you've even heard the most of. It was actually companies that I'd never heard of and I didn't know anything about, but they had insane retention and crazy client results. And so what I realized was, if this is true for SaaS, why wouldn't it be true for service, right? And that's when I really started to take all the principles that I applied to Allen, and I took those and applied them to Gymlock. And so we applied these to our backend product and we were actually able to reduce our churn by three times which is absolutely insane. Like we never thought we would get our churn to as low as it stands today. And the reason that we were able to do that is we implemented so many of these principles that so many people in software know about, but in other industries don't necessarily study and never really learn. And so my goal for you is for you to understand that in order for you to get past three to 10 million, you have to know your customer success metrics as well as you know your sales and marketing metrics. So I'm sure you're thinking, what is customer success? How do we actually define that? Customer success is actually a very new industry. I think it was only born about eight, nine years ago. And so it's very new. It's not customer service, it's customer success. So what is that? Customer success is a partnership you have with your customer so that you can help them get the maximum value out of your product or service. It is a proactive approach to customer experience so that you can help make sure that they get maximum return on their investment. It's going to drive the customer experience forward and make sure that every customer is successful with your product or service. Okay, so it's not about answering support tickets, answering questions, and like answering the boatload of questions that are gonna come to you. It's about how do I prevent them from asking a question? How do I prevent them from even having a misstep or a mistake? How do I get them success faster? 
that is what customer success solves. And so I want to explain this a little bit further. I want to break down for you the five things you can do to actually break through this barrier and take your business from wherever it's at today to 10, 15, 20 million. So the natural tendency is that customers and companies will drift apart, okay? They have personal life, time goes by, they forget why they started, they get shiny object syndrome, they sign up with another company, they have different priorities, all sorts of things happen. And so naturally, typically, the point at which you have the most contact with the customer is immediately post-sale, and it continues to decline from there. And in fact, typically, in most companies, especially those with higher churn, they have more activity pre-sale than they do post-sale. So if you want to retain customers, what you want to do is you want to match the two. So you've got the pre-sale experience and you've got the post-sale experience, right? So I would consider this sales and marketing. I would consider this customer success. So if you remember, I talk about setting expectations for employees. The same goes for customers. The thing is, is that if customers have a very different experience pre-sale, and then once they're sold, they come in and it's a very different experience. They have much less communication. They have different people they're interacting with. It's just a much different process overall. Then the likelihood they churn is much higher. So what you want to do is you want to match the two sides. You want to make sure that your marketing and sales matches your customer success. And so what will happen is that if somebody comes in and it's a mismatch, so they have tons of interaction, tons of marketing, there's all these follow-up campaigns, there's email campaigns, there's blasts, they're getting retargeted, and they're talking to salespeople, they're following up, they're talking almost every day, right? Then they buy your product. They get an onboarding call and then crickets. That is what most companies do. Can you imagine what that feels like? They've got all this interaction. They've built this relationship. It's almost like you're on a date. You've gone on like multiple dates. The guy sleeps with you. Next day, nothing. Maybe you get a text. Maybe you don't. And that's it. How would you feel? It's the same with your customers. That's how they feel. They feel like they've been stood up. They feel like you've ghosted them. And that's how most people feel after they buy if you don't have customer success in place. So a couple core things I want you to understand about customer success before I go into how to proactively do this in your business. The first is that one of the main concepts in customer success is activation. Activation is the proactive measurement to dictate churn or to be a it is a, essentially a leading indicator of churn in your business. So what is activation? Is the first time a customer receives value from your product or service. So let's look at an example. If I'm buying a BizOp product, then the first dollar I make is going to be my activation point. If I'm buying consulting, then the first time that I've solved a problem is an activation point. If I'm buying a body, like I'm paying a recruiter, then the first time someone's hired or maybe even the first interview is an activation point. And so it's when I actually get to receive value. The thing is, is that most people have the sales process and then they have an activation point, which is usually by accident. It's not purposely built in there. Um, and then after that is when retention continues to decline. So each month, you continue to lose more and more customers because retention going down over time is a natural occurrence. But the question is, how long can we prolong it? And if you understand that you need to have more touch points like that activation point, then you can continue to prolong it longer and longer. So what are the two aspects of customer success that you need to think about? There's really results and there's experience. And together, those make up customer success. And usually businesses by default are really good at one or the other. Um, oftentimes, people in online businesses, for example, are really good at getting results and they have no experience, right? Whereas a lot of brick and mortar are really good at experience and they have really low results. And so what that means is if you have a great experience, 
but you have no results, you typically have very unpredictable churn. Some people will stay because they really like the experience, they love your team, they feel good when they talk to you, but then when people leave, it's really unexpected, you don't understand why, but it's usually because you're not getting them any results. Now, on the other hand, if you're getting results but you have no experience, that person will stay with you typically a little bit longer because they can't find someone else to get them better results, but they're probably gonna try out your competitors and then end up coming back to you later. They're gonna say, oh, I need to go find somebody else that gets me these results with a better experience, the communication is so bad. They're gonna go to somebody else, they're gonna have better communication, but they're not gonna get the same results. So they're gonna end up coming back to you. So those customers tend to bounce back and forth a lot. The sweet spot is when you have both results and experience, which is when you hit the retention sweet spot, okay? So if you wanna retain customers, you wanna prolong the churn, then you have to focus on having both. So the question is, how do we actually do this? And so what I wanna break down is five ways to retain customers for a longer period of time. Everyone retains customers for some period of time. Could be a day, could be a week, could be a month, could be a year. How do we create it so it's longer? How do we lengthen that amount of time? The first thing that you wanna do, if you wanna prolong the time that a customer stays with you, is you wanna constantly track, measure, and share ROI to the customer. Let me give you the best example of this that I've seen done that I use on a daily basis, Instacart. Every time I log into Instacart, all it shows me is that I've saved over a thousand hours of grocery shopping by using Instacart. Okay, that is a fantastic example. In our program, Allen, when I would log into Allen or when a customer logged into Allen, they would see the amount of money saved on payroll by using our software instead of hiring a front desk clerk. And so that number is there every time I log in. All I pay attention to is that number. So we are literally creating what is top of mind for your customer. And what you wanna make top of mind for them is their ROI on their investment with you. The second thing that you wanna do is you wanna make sure that the pre and post sale experience match. So a lot of the time people think that the end of a funnel is when someone purchases, but the end of a funnel is when someone leaves your company. So just like you would choreograph the marketing and sales to get somebody in, you have to choreograph what happens after they come in all the way up until they turn. And so often people talk about top of funnel, but what they don't talk about is about bottom of funnel. Bottom of funnel looks like retention events constantly sending surveys to your customers to figure out what they want more of, running special beta tests for people that have been there for a certain amount of time, giving special discounts to people who have been with you for more than a certain length, giving pricing discounts to people that have been there for a longer period of time. Uh, a good example of this that in gym launch, when we had customers that had been there for over a year and a half, what we constantly were doing is we were selecting them for different beta tests. So we said, because you've been with us for this amount of time, we're gonna give you this beta test for free, which was typically like a new marketing play. So we'd say, hey, we've got this new marketing, say it's TikTok and it's working really well for this gym. We wanna give you first access to try it because you've been so loyal to us, we wanna give you first access. Another thing we would do is we would give them VIP swag. So we're like, hey, you've been such a great customer. We have this new swag release. We're gonna give you a pre-release of that swag. And so it's always making them feel like they're your best friend. If you had a best friend, what would you get them in on because they're your best friend? Think about your customers in that way. And those are the kind of things you wanna to do to retain them for a longer period of time by activating the bottom of funnel, not just the top of funnel. The third thing you wanna do is you wanna shorten the time to value which is the time it takes for the customer to realize the value of your product or service. And it's not just the product or service that you provide, it's the product or service that they expect, okay? And so how do you shorten that? There are really three ways that you can shorten time value. The first one is a personalized customer journey. Okay, so often you see this in businesses that are higher ticket, for example. If it's an enterprise sale or it's some kind of high ticket program, what you wanna do is you wanna personalize their path. 
A great example of this is what we did in Gym Launch is we essentially went from you know, bringing people in, it was like a cookie cutter, like you're gonna do these five steps and then you end up here. We ended up personalizing it where it was like, okay, there are five options for every step of the way. We're gonna pick an option based on who this person is, what their goals are, and what they wanna get out of this experience. And so that meant each along the way, we would pick one of those five options and then we would give that to them as their personal plan. And their coach had that as well, so they could hold them accountable to it. And so that was a really easy way to shorten their time to value because if you know what they find valuable, you can make the time to it much shorter. The second piece that you can do to shorten time to value is to increase the amount of communication you have in the onboarding and activation process. So the more contact that a customer has post-sale with an advocate, with a rep, with somebody on your team, the shorter they are going to get to time to value. It is just a natural occurrence that the more communication they have with the product or service provider that they have on the other end, the faster they can get to that time to value because they probably have clearer communication. They're probably more sure of what they're doing and they probably have more accountability. And so if you can add in and you can choreograph more touch points with that customer until they've totally received the time to value, then you're going to get them there faster. You're going to see it shorten over time as you add in more touch points in terms of maybe it's calls, maybe it's workshops, maybe it's automated emails. Maybe it's a phone call that they get. Maybe it's accountability check-ins. Maybe it's a different group call where they have a, an accountability cohort. There's so many different things that you can do, but the more that you can put in there and you can make sure that they actually attend, the more results they're gonna get faster. So a good example of this is if the time to value, if the value of the program is monetary, for example, a lot of programs say it's, you know, you're fixing someone's business, for example. Say it's like, you know, gym launch for hairstylists. You're teaching people how to run hair salons. Then... Those people, we really know that in order to give, to grow a really solid hair salon, it's probably gonna take six to 12 months to fix everything you need to fix. The question is, what can you do in the first four weeks to either make back their investment, to give them some kind of value that's significant? You have to think of something they can do quickly. Maybe it's that they run a special at their hair salon and then they can easily make $10,000, $15,000. Maybe it's that you have a certain marketing campaign that you can run where they can do some kind of reach outs where again, they make $10,000, $15,000. So they can easily recap their investment and then they've got all this time where there's not that pressure on you or your company to get them the result because we all know that it's gonna take more than four weeks to fix someone's business. Now, the fourth thing that you wanna do is you wanna embody the principle that you never stop onboarding. Okay, what I mean by this is that during the onboarding period, there's so much effort made. It's like, we've just sold the customer. Let's make sure they understand. They have clear communication. We've got the training. We're motivating them. We're, being, we're holding them accountable to do all these things. You never want to stop that. What happens is that most companies, when they take advice like this, is that they fix their onboarding process, and then there's nothing after that. So what you've actually done is you have prolonged when they're going to turn, but only until after the onboarding. So you might be able to increase the lifetime value by you know, a month or two, but you're not going to really get a year or two years of that customer. And so a lot of companies that we see in acquisition.com, they come in and they've got the sales process and they have the onboarding process. I say, well, what do they get after that? What are you doing to make sure they're continuing to make progress? And they're like, well... And so what you can do is one of these three things. To continue to train and onboard users, you can do one thing, which is you can literally make a calendar of training that you have for, say, a year. And so a lot of the times in a business training course, for example, a suggestion that I'll give is, hey, let's come up with all like the next you know, 24 topics of things that they struggle with. We're going to make 24 presentations, and then we're just going to do those every year. And so it's constantly training people that are in the program. 
Another thing that I have people do is I say, let's bring in guest speakers. Let's think about ancillary problems that your business doesn't solve, but that you could find experts to solve and you bring those people in and they can teach. So maybe you have that on a monthly cadence. And the last one is hosting workshops. So there's usually common problems that different customers get stuck doing. And so it's like, okay, well, let's make sure that twice a month or three times a month, we're hosting workshops to go over these topics that we can constantly be fixing for the customers. So what you're really trying to figure out is like, what's your ongoing onboarding, right? That you can facilitate so that your customers are constantly getting value. And then the fifth piece in terms of customer success and prolonging churn of your customer is always filling in the product gaps. What a lot of businesses do and where they get stuck and why they stagnate is that they build a product, they launch a product, the product works, they get product market fit, they launch it to their customers, they're building up volume, they're building their team. Within a year, the product is not as good. It is not because the entrepreneur is not as good. It's not because the customers changed. It's because the market has changed. You have competitors who have started doing similar things. People are catching up. And now your customers have higher expectations. And so what you want to constantly be doing is create a cycle where you can figure out what the product gaps are. So as your customers are evolving, what you want to do is you want to be collecting their new expectations. And so a great way to do this is to host, say on a monthly basis, a roundtable with your customers to figure out what can we be doing better? What should we stop, start, continue? What would make this program a 10 out of 10 that you would never leave? Asking questions such as that to understand what are your customers' expectations now versus what they were six months ago, because the market's always changing. So an example of this is in Gym Launch we started, we just had Gym Launch, and it was a 16-week course to get your gym to basically be profitable. And then we said, okay, people are like, well, how do I build a team? What about leadership? What about meetings? How do I do all these things? And what do I do once I have all these customers? So we said, okay, we're going to build Gym Legacy, which is the level up where you can learn all those things. And then we realized that people are, you know, as we're teaching them to do things like sell supplements, for example, they're like, well, what supplements do I sell? We don't have an easy process. And we're like, oh, let's build Prestige Labs. And it's another add-on. And then as time evolved and went on, maybe three years in, people are like, you know, I really wish that you would just run the ads for us. We started seeing agencies pop up everywhere. So we said, we should create an agency, right? And so we were constantly paying attention to the market, what our customers' expectations were, where else they were buying from, and then we're saying, what can we learn from all that? And what is, you know, tangential enough that it makes sense to bring into our business so we can fill those gaps so that we can continue to own that customer? And so if you think about it, the more needs that you can fulfill around the core need of why they brought your product, the more likely that customer is to stay with you. So those really are the five things that you can do to make sure that you can retain customers longer. One, track and show and shove in their face the ROI that your product or service creates. Two is to not just focus on top of funnel, but also bottom of funnel. Three is to focus on shortening that lifetime value, on shortening that time to value or the time that it takes them to realize your product value. To never stop onboarding, make sure that you constantly have ongoing value that you're adding into the customer base. And then lastly, is to make sure that you're constantly filling product gaps so you don't fall behind in the market.